You're listening to The Portable Foodie. My name is Paris. I live in Devon in the UK with my husband of many years. I'm not a chef or even a particularly good cook, but food and eating is my passion. Packing up, putting away, preparing to move on to pastures new. A tiresome and unaccustomed burden for anyone. In me, it induces a sense of quiet melancholy. Normally enthusiastic to crack on and get belongings in boxes. I am, at least in the kitchen, much slower and reluctant to start. Disconcerted and unsettled, as if breaking some long-standing enchantment. And doing all this in the run-up to Christmas makes the whole process seem that much more unnatural. A right pain in the arse, as my mother would put it, with special emphasis on the final syllable. A John Player special and a tired dishcloth in one hand and a cup of tea in the other. In the six and a bit years that Carl and I have made a home here, the kitchen has, unsurprisingly, embodied so much of our relationship. It was the very first kitchen, entirely for our own use, crammed full of all our accoutrements. The practical and the whimsical, the fantastically useful, the unusual and, of course, the hopeless. Some, like my homemade Heath Robertson sous vide machine, much prized and used daily. Others, gadgets that begged you to pick them up and examine them minutely, like Carl's potato stringer. This is a substantial chunk of almost Victorian-looking, brightly painted cast iron and steel that gives no possible clue as to purpose. Most visitors to our kitchen will, at some point, pick it up, give the handle an experimental half-turn, and eventually ask, what is it? Others will admire the two magnetic rails of assorted kitchen knives, scalpels and oyster shuckers on the wall, often with a shudder, beseeching us to put them away, somewhere, anywhere, where they couldn't be grabbed amidst the white heat of an argument. Like many other kitchens, at least those unwilling or unable to embrace the current fashion for integrated and hidden appliances, the front of our fridge freezer provides an instant snapshot into our experiences to date, and also those to come. Fridge magnets from Saint-Tropez to St Ives, and places less well thought of, cling wonkily to the fridge. Leaflets for food festivals, Christmas poems from Dave and John, paintings from our godchildren, and hospital appointment letters, all vie for attention. Stickers from various bottles and jars, much enjoyed at the time and scraped to the last morsel, retained for reference and now entirely forgotten. One or two of those awful decorative magnets, picturing a winsome scene and overlaid with a trite aphorism or whining homily. To me it always seems that such things applied in the very least to those displaying them. And yet I have one too. It says, I don't have any bad habits, I'm good at them all. Written in some awful strutting font, all high heels, cheap rosé wine and loud exhortations from next door. I'm proud of what we've done here rather than what we have here. As much as I'd like to flourish my guests into a beautiful kitchen, revealing this most fashionable high-tech heart of the home, perhaps, almost thankfully, our kitchen is just not like that. Our kitchen forms part of our landlord's idea of a perfectly fine flat. Our kitchen has been a far-from-new, battered assemblage 
of very early 90s inoffensive and affordable, a sea of miserable magnolia, disrupted pattern units with contrast coffee trim and minimal detailing. None of it is actually missing or hanging off, but all of it is really only hanging on to some degree, hopeless and out of step with the demands of two keen cooks. Our larder unit contains only three precarious shelves, each grossly overladen. Believe me when I say, there is little more to sink the heart at 9pm on a Friday night in front of the telly than the sound of one of those shelves giving away in a sudden clattering avalanche. Our list of woes includes a hot tap that delivers only a weedy dribble, tiny narrow work surfaces, an extractor hood fan that doesn't, and a cooker that, despite us going to considerable expense, is clearly certifiably insane and has spectacularly ruined two Christmases. If you know me personally, you'll have heard all about this bastard more than enough. In this kitchen we have learned to cook together. Homing feet that. We have hosted 11 course dinner parties, dancing around each other, sometimes in anger, at other times a delicate choreographed ballet of activity. Our kitchen has been fantastic and terrible in equal measure. Dishes plated up on the floor for want of Christmas Day workspace for nine courses and seven people in one single oven. Our kitchen has also been a quiet refuge of gentle reflection on a Sunday morning, peeling spuds for a roast lunch with the world service. Quiet time in the unlit kitchen whilst Carl sleeps gently on. Our new kitchen, though far from the much disputed kitchen of our dreams, is at least somewhere we can really spread out and enjoy ourselves anew. It has workspace, room for a small breakfast table, and space, as Carl puts it, where two people can work without ruining it for each other. There is also the holy grail of a dishwasher, a machine celebrated for its cleaning, but overlooked for what, to me, is the far greater value of instantly hiding dirty pots, pans and dishes. Seen through the lens of a shiny new house purchase, the kitchen I presently stand in is at once as much endearing as it is dishevelled, as much the likely subject of many fond reminiscences as it will be the recollection of the foolishly endured. I stand fixed, momentarily motionless amongst this realisation, a jar of capers, long past their sell-by date in one hand, and a roll of sellotape in the other. Perhaps tears should fall at this point to mark the end and welcome the new, but somehow they are not qualified here in the messy in-between. And so I go on, sorting through, throwing out, putting in boxes. Proud of the friends and family fed from this kitchen. Proud of what we did with what we had. Nostalgia for the amount of good times that we squeezed out of this little broken-down kitchen. Wondering how much of it will come with us to what we coldly refer to as the new house. Shiny and virgin as only a new build property can be, whatever one excitedly calls a blank canvas. We are of course excited and apprehensive, but the reluctance and nostalgia that courses through me at the thought of leaving isn't linked to fear of the new or sadness at leaving those good times behind. It's more gentle concern that, having now broken the spell, we might not be able to imbue the currently sterile new house 
with the charm and experiences we've had here in Queen Street. Then it passes. To succumb to the desire to drag forward previous good experiences into areas of your life where they should be experienced anew, just for the sake of succour, is a bad idea. It denies you those new memories to add to your collection, similar to reenacting a particularly good holiday or night out. Those assembled find only that they endlessly recall and reminisce in minute detail all that went before, while new memories pass by unnoticed. So I keep on packing, some in boxes, some in the bin, some in between. Robert's radio tuned to the World Service, Carl's sleeping on. Potatoes to peel, veg to chop. I've loved every minute, but it's time to pack that box away too. Additional. It's a little after midday here, on the 29th of January, 2015, at the New House. The New House, now renamed La Sokoff, after our favourite restaurant. New Kitchen has turned out to be wildly different from our plans for it. Despite being larger than our previous one, we've managed to have less room than before, forcing us to extend into the dining area to house all our bits and pieces. The cooker isn't certifiable, the extractor hood roars impressively, and the dishwasher is a magical box that makes everything lovely. We have been ashamed to discover that some previously permanent stains and marks actually aren't. The hot tap doesn't have a problem with its prostate, and I have a view of fields and garden from the kitchen window, rather than a dentist chair and a flat roof. The DAB radio no longer dies when Carl enters the kitchen, and I can receive stations previously unencountered. It's very different here, and I do miss the crazy esprit de corpse of the old one. But here we can do more. Here we can be proud. This podcast is dedicated to those at Sarnau. You've been listening to The Portable Foodie. If you've enjoyed this, do my ego a favour. Tell a couple of people and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you.